the teens will be dismissed, and then Earl's going to come and lead us in our lesson here. Uh, just before we begin uh, our series of Bible studies in the adult Sunday school class, we're going to go around. Uh, everybody should get one of these sheets. These men are going to go around and go do that. And I'm coming around, and I'm going to be passing out a gospel track. Uh, it's called The Bridge. You got that? You all good to go? All right, then. Now, please listen to me on this. As much as it is possible, keep these. Do not lose them, because we're going to be working through these through the four weeks of November. So I know, so, oh, you're already good to go? You got it? Okay. Good, good. Everybody down there got it? There you go. All right. You, oh, you got two of them here. How about down there? Pass these on down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. Pass them on down. Okay. Okay. Back there. All right. You're very welcome. And how are we doing back here? Okay. Now you're going to see an amazing thing. I'm going to come down the other row. Who would have thought? You got that? You need one? Okay, you want to pass down to Robbie down there? How are we doing over here? Okay. All right. There you go. One, two, three. No, I do not do homework. Even when I taught at a Christian academy, I did not. And the kids loved me, and I never could figure out why. <laughs> There you go. Oh, I think there could be various reasons for that, Dan. You don't even know who's telling him. This is counting up to six. Let's see, I think I got most of them here. And one to grow on. Here you go. Everybody got one there? Need one more? This higher math always gets me. Just need one? Okay. So... Everybody good to go? You got one? You need one? All right. Thank you very much. Everybody has a sheet. And as you can see, the sheet is blank. We'll get to that in a little bit. I did want to, uh, for those of you, is this, if you're here for the very first time, you never, can you just put up your hand? Okay. Welcome. We're so happy you're at Brian Baptist Church. I need to, in a lighthearted way, go through something from the previous month of Sunday School lessons taught by Brother Clark. Brother Clark is gifted in the areas of science, and he always has the class exciting. Uh, how many of you were here the morning we went outside, and he launched that little projectile up into the sky? That thing took off. Now, how many of you were here when there was a much larger uh, thing here? Did, did anybody see that? You saw that? I mean, that, that was a biggie, Okay. So I want to go back here to Brother Clark and ask the question, what do you call it, and how tall is that one? Okay. Well, it sounds like you had to mortgage your house. Uh, rocket mortgage, that, that's fun. Okay, and how tall is it? Seven feet. Wow, it's almost as tall as me. All right. Okay. What? Anybody need pens? Going to be writing something here today? Yeah. Don't put a needle in your finger, and here I go. Anybody else need a pen? Yeah, come on down, come on forward. What we need to talk about here, for you folks that have never been here before, uh, we did not get to shoot the, the larger rocket, seven feet tall, because of weather and wind. So Brother Clark asked last week if it'd be possible if he would borrow 10 minutes from one of my classes in order to to shoot the rocket off, and that is absolutely fine by me. 
That's absolutely fine by me, because I think it'd be great. So uh, we'll see how the weather conditions go. I don't know. I was, I was in the Air Force, and uh, I've been out to some of the bases out west, but I've never actually seen the launch of an intercontinental ballistic missile. And uh, so I'm kind of excited, you know. Woo. Uh, ICBM, I see a big mushroom, you know, that kind of a thing. So if you're never here before, you know, and, and if you'd like to come for that, it'll be exciting. I can't wait to see the morning when we bring the ICBM out in to the yard. And next door neighbors are there's like, Claude, don't you say, Myrtle, get the cat, we're going to the bunker. So, and then finally, before we go seriously to the, the Word of God this morning, I want you to know that this is actually no joke. When he's going to launch this rocket, NASA is going to be here. Now, not the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, but the nervous attenders of silly and strange activities. <laughs> so there you go. So that's a little bit of the lighter side this morning because uh, ah, Brother Clark always has some humor a little bit there. Now to the serious side. To go and give the gospel, will you turn to John chapter 4? And whenever I do the Sunday school class, I'm always looking for those who would be willing to read a passage. So in John chapter 4, we're going to have read publicly into our hearing, verses 34 to 38. And I want to know if we would have someone here this morning who would say, I will publicly read that passage. One more time, John chapter 4, starting in verse 34 through 38. Anyone willing to do that this morning? Right here, Carolyn. Thank you very much. The Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world as the sinless substitute, went to the cross and suffered agony, had all sin of all time from all people, hurled on him by a holy God, so that you and I could be here together. So that you and I would not have to be afraid of dying. That you and I are no longer, if we have repented of our sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, we know that heaven will be our home and hell and the lake of fire will not be our eternity. Now here's something he told us to do. He said, I've provided the good news. Would you at least go out and proclaim it? I've done the work. Would you go out and tell people what I've done for them so that they can know about it? Now in any Bible-believing church anywhere in this world, I believe that there's always those folks who are busy in the task of sharing the gospel. I also believe that there's a certain number of people in Bible-believing churches who shy away from that for various reasons. Um, I'm not here. I'm not your conscience. You're certainly not going to stand before me on Judgment Day. 
But I'm just trying to say, I think sometimes we think as people that if we would go and try to share with someone, that that person who's been our friend or a loved one or maybe a family member, they might get upset with us and they might say something, listen, I've never tried to shove my religion down your throat, so I don't appreciate you trying to shove your religion down my throat. And so we think, this is my friend, this is someone I love, someone I care for, I don't want to make them mad. Or you might think that they might ask a question about the Bible that you wouldn't know the answer. And so they're going to be thinking, well, you're coming to me and you got your Bible under your arm and you're going to want to talk to me about this and I ask you a question about the Bible and you don't know the answer. So you, you, you feel like maybe you're not smart enough. You don't know the Bible enough and you, you don't want to embarrass yourself. So you just say, eh, that's, I'll let other people do that thing called evangelism. And there could be a lot of other reasons. But whatever it is, and I believe ultimately it doesn't even come from within you. I believe it comes from the enemy. The enemy says, I will intimidate, I will whisper fear, I'll do whatever it takes so that even though you're very grateful that you are saved and you're very happy that somebody shared the gospel with you, you're afraid to share the gospel with somebody else. If you're that person, I'm here to tell you today, and it's up to you, I'm not going to be checking up on you. I'm not going to be giving some kind of a test like the evil Dan Clark. I'm not going to do that. But I will implore you, encourage you, maybe challenge you. Two things happened to me recently. I was visiting, uh, we were visiting our son and his family out in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we took a drive one day and we went to a town just south of Salt Lake called Provo. There's a little school in that town called Brigham Young University. And it just so happened on a Saturday, I mean literally right across the street, I could look out the window and there's Brigham Young and there's one of those shiny, uh, gleaming white Mormon temples, (laughs) white on the outside, gleaming, but dead and poisonous on the inside. And we were in this restaurant. Can you imagine me going to a restaurant? It's hard to, but we were in a restaurant and it was called Chubby's, so I fit right in. They said, you want to be our mascot? I said, Leave me alone, you know. But while we're sitting in there, the doors open, and in comes walking wave upon wave of young men about collegiate age, and some young women, dressed nicely, nice trousers, white shirt, and a tie. Careful. And 20-year-olds all claiming to be an elder. <laughs> But they're all there because every year at Brigham University in the summer, they bring in the next candidate, the next crop of these missionaries. And they're there at this mission structure at Brigham Young University to learn their shtick, to learn what to say, what not to say, their little verses about the Heavenly Father. And I bear my witness to you. And they give all the literature and everything. And at the end, they want to pray that God will open your eyes, that Joseph Smith is the true prophet of God and the Latter-day Saints is the true restoration of the Christian faith. They're not very good at it because the Mormon church every year only brings in an average of about 250,000 new converts every year. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and I'm sad and I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm upset because I'm thinking to myself, why is it that a false Christian cult is more zealous about sharing their lies 
than I am about sharing God's truth. And I'm also sad because I think about every single one of those people who convert to Mormonism and believe that error, if they die believing in the Mormon lies and all of that, they face a Christless eternity. So what I want us to do, if you're looking at this sheet of paper, just to give you a little bit of an outline, you have there a, the bridge, God's bridge to eternal life. It has seven major themes, seven major points. We're going to cover the first two. Actually, I'm going to do another one that I think preempts or goes before, rather, number one. But Sunday by Sunday, I want us to go through these seven. And here's my plea. Here's my encouragement. For anybody in here that says, I can't do that. May I say from my heart to your heart? Yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Maybe Christ was lying to you. I don't know. I don't think he was. Paul said, I can do all things. Well, do you serve a different Jesus than Paul did? Did Paul have a different Holy Spirit dwelling in you than you do? I don't think so. So I'm just saying to challenge you, but to encourage you. You can do this because when you desire to surrender your life and serve God, and what an endeavor to tell the world, your neighbor, a family member, your, uh, somebody at school, somebody at work, that you take the time to tell them how they can have their sin forgiven and Jesus be their Savior. I think God will bless you because you're doing what he told us to do. And I also think just like everything, you know, what is the worst day of school? I'll tell you the worst day of school. It's the first day of school and you're a transfer student. Everybody in the class knows each other. They're all buddies except you. Who are you? I remember my first day, seventh grade, at a place called St. Patrick's Catholic School in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I walk out for recess. Here's a guy by the name of Tom McCutcheon and Rick Baran. I remember their names. They walk up to me. They stare at me and stare at me and stare at me. I'm, you, you, I was not this talkative guy right by then. I was a shy little, little guy. I really was. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they're looking at me. I'm thinking, okay. And Rick finally looks to Tom and he says, you know what? He is the ugliest kid I've ever seen. Yeah, that's what they said. But I remembered that because someone took time to talk to me. I'm saying, if you, type, if you take the time to talk to someone, not about the ugliest kid, but about the most wonderful Savior God has ever sent into the world. And you think you don't know the Bible? The men who came to me, I was in the Air Force at Rhein-Main, Germany, and some guys from the Navigators knocked on my door, and they said they wanted to come in and talk to me about Jesus Christ. And anybody that comes in with a Bible and quoting Scripture, as far as most people are concerned, you've got a name for those people, theologian, okay? So don't worry about that you don't know. And then not only that, you have this, you don't have to come up with something. You got it. It's right here. You don't have to wonder about what verses you're going to share. It's in here. You just have to be willing. God has provided the bridge to eternal life. Just sit down. And if you can do that, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the way, and I want to hear a lot of things, but as we start on this, I'm just saying, one more time, please don't shut off your mind. Don't shut down this morning with this, I can't do this. Please, if I could, I beg you, don't do that. If the Mormons can do it, children of the king can do it.
So, I also remember too, some of you know, pastor was not here yet, but an evangelist by the name of Michael Garmy. Do you know Michael Garmy? Do you, do you know him, Pastor? Okay. He came here, and uh, the man and his wife, they were on fire for the Lord. Former Muslim, trying to reach Muslims, is reaching Muslims, Turkey, around the, you know, he's from Iran, they, they beam stuff in there. But this was a man, one thing, we said here spellbound that night, here was a man, our brother in the Lord, who was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's bold, he's zealous. And then, pastor was here when he brought to us uh, our missions conference. What a wonderful time those days were. The stalls, uh, Pastor Arrowwood, and the challenges and the reminder of all the thing about missionaries around the world wanting to go and tell people, have to learn a, a new culture, a new language. Everything is new and strange. But they're called of God to go out into the world, like Jesus said in Matthew, go into all the world. They're doing it. Our world, if we're going to stay here, is wherever we're at. This is our Jerusalem. And we're going to go out into this area. And then also I think of uh, Craig Hartman. Last Sunday night, Craig Hartman and his, his family, his wife, were, were here from Shalom Ministries, a converted Jewish individual. He was Jewish. He was brought up Italian Catholic. Now he's no, well, he's Jewish, but he doesn't believe in Judaism. And she's Roman Catholic, Catholic raised Italian. But, but they're together. They're born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the enthusiasm, the zeal, the boldness of Brother Hartman last week. And we asked him questions, and he, he gave us answers. And uh, it was just thrilling, but it was also very convicting. So I'm just calling, as I'm sure, one of the things we've all said, pastor, deacons, all of us, we said, God is blessing Berean Baptist Church. We are the beneficiaries of the grace of God. Let us respond to him in real love. I know there's some people here, you do use opportunities to share the gospel. But I think each and every one of us could improve on what we're doing to try to learn this. So without me blabbing more and more, uh, let's open this up. And if you got your sheet of paper there, at the top, number one, and then you can look in your track also, is the word purpose. Is the word purpose. There's going to be, as we go through these weeks, there's going to be seven words that begin with the letter P. I figure in a town where there's a Purdue University, you can't go wrong with the letter P. God's purpose for each and every one of us, as you see, I'll just read through this. At any time, if you want to make a comment or ask a question, you go ahead. Honor and serve him. God created man to honor, serve, and fellowship with him. The Bible says... Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 4.11. There's the verse right there for you. There's two other verses, again. It's good to memorize verses, but you don't have to 
If you can sit down with someone and say, that's for another time, but I mean, just, to, hey, you know what? I've been your friend. I've been to school. We, we've talked about, you know, life and what's going to happen and everything. I found out that a way a person can know, can know that when they die, they'll go to heaven. I never knew that for a long time, but now I found out. I find that interesting. Would you be interested if, if there was a way that a person, while they're living this life, could work or settle things with God or, or do what the Bible says, that God would make a promise that when we would leave this world, he promises to take us to heaven? Well, I wasn't raised that way, but I've learned that is true. Would you be interested in learning about that? They can say yes or they can say no. But at least you're out there. God doesn't require you to always put a notch in your belt, to use a coarse expression, to win the person to Christ. You can't. Only God can save every, anyone. But he did say go. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Do you realize there's a lot of people right now, and pastors talked about this, we live in a lonely age. There's record number of taking their own life. There are people who feel there's no purpose. You know better because you are saved and the Holy Spirit dwells within. But I bet you there's some people out there, if we would be willing and make the effort, and you'd say that, did you know that God has a purpose on your life? A lot of them might turn you away, but you're not worried about that. You're worried about the one the Holy Spirit is preparing, and when you come along, that person would say to you, yes, I'd be very, very interested. You say that God has a purpose for me? I've never heard of such a thing. What are you talking about? And there you're ready to go. But you can't do it if you're not there. You can't do that if you're home. You can't do that if you're too afraid or intimidated to do it because you're too afraid and intimidated to do it. So, in Psalm 1611. Now, I want to stop. This is the first. This is one of the two we want to cover today. Does anybody want to make a comment or a thought about this is the first thing you would share with someone? You'd have two of these. You'd have one that you've got for you, but if somebody's going to talk with them, you'd say, I've brought this along and I'm giving it to you. It's for you so that we're going to go through this today. But after I leave today, if you want to go back and read it again, you'll have it with you. Anybody got anything comment they'd like to share about where we are with, number one, God's purpose to honor and serve him? All right. Now, I did want to very quickly say that even before this, this is not in this bridge, but I wrote down there's something that even precedes this and it might come up in conversation. Would you turn back to Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 through 31? Let me repeat that. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Is there anybody in the room who would be publicly willing to read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31? Anybody? Right over here, sister. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Now, just to say, in this God's bridge to eternal life, the bridge, of course, is, as you're going to see in this, they have pictures. That's another thing when you, when you use this thing. There's, there's pictures in there. What do people always laugh about books? I don't like to read this book and not enough pictures in there. This one's got pictures. So you're, you're ahead of the game. But before you go to number one, God's purpose to honor and serve him, yes, this is our purpose, but the question would need to be asked, well, if, if that's our purpose to honor and serve him, why is it that so many people in our world aren't doing that? Did, did anything go wrong? Well, yes, obviously there did. But we need to understand, if you want to use the, the P word there, especially verse 31, uh, like Becky read, the, and, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was perfect. At the beginning, when we read the first chapters of Genesis, God did not make a world with problems. He made it perfect. Says so it's very good. Everything was the way God intended it to be. So actually, chronologically, if you will, there is something that precedes number one that you're looking at in this bridge. So God created man to honor, serve, and fellowship with him. And of course, what was just read by Becky is that it is that way when we look at Genesis chapter uh, 1, verses 26 through 31. Now, before we move on, and we're looking at this number one, here it is, God's purpose to honor and serve him. Does anybody want to make a comment about any of this? I, I like conversation. Don't feel if, I, every time I teach Sunday school, I always say this, don't feel that your question is going to be dumb or silly or, or anything like that. We learn together. So, anybody got a question? Yes, sir. Amen. Thank you very much. And just going along with what you said, brother, we live in the United States of America that the longer time goes by with our schools, with our lack of values, with our neo-paganism or whatever you want to call it, for some of us, when we were little kids growing up, most people weren't necessarily saved but you could talk about the Bible, you could talk about people in the Bible, you could talk about some basic things that we in our Christian society were aware of just as a public. And now, what with our education and our different values, we're basically, when, when this is to share the basics with people, you say, well, they know that. No, they don't. They don't know it anymore. So I thank you, brother, for pointing this out. This is, and more and more, this is not to go with this little track and go to people where they're going to say, oh, I've heard all that. More and more people are going to say, wow, I never knew that. Especially children. How many? Oh, David. Yes, sir.
Amen. Thank you for bringing that out. People are empty. They're looking for a purpose. Did you have your hand up, sir? Okay. All right. Anybody else want to? Pastor. Amen. Thank you for that. And that is true. Yes, sir. Exactly. Thank you for that. And, and thinking about just what you shared, <laughs> what is also very rampant, talking about this idea of understanding the overall picture that the Bible presents of life, the purpose of life, what's going on. There's a lot of people, I guess record levels, and if it's involves somebody in here, I want to say this tenderly, there are more and more people who take their own life. They don't have a purpose, or they have a warped, untrue, uh, maybe they've suffered personal tragedies, and so many things that God who is love and the gospel that gives purpose and a salvation and God the Holy Spirit indwelling you, so much of this. And of course, it is true, you you mentioned it about our, our culture and looking for things. You remember the verse? <laughs> it says, you know, uh, those that make bittersweet, darkness light. You know, these, these opposites, they, and they just twist them around. There was a book written called 1984, and where they take words and ideas and they twist them to mean different things. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in those days. Okay? What is unholy is considered sacrosanct. And what is holy is considered narrow-minded. And, you know, it's, it's, it's turned. 
And so again, I'm just trying to say, thank you for sharing this, as we're going to be looking at to go and give the gospel. That's what we're talking about, this, the bridge. And even if you can't share everything, you could still give them this little booklet and say, you know, please read this. Here's my name. Here's my number. If, if you won't let me come in, could I leave my name and my number? If you read it and you find out that you're interested, please give a call. I would love to talk with you about it. God will use us if we make ourselves available. He really will. So, yes. Like a release. Yeah. yeah. I want the yes. Right. Now, thank you for sharing that. Now, now, and here's, I'll, I'll just say it. If they don't know that, who are the people who do know the truth? All right? And what are the people who do know the truth doing about it? I'm very thankful. Very, very thankful. I'll be thankful for all eternity. A man by the name of Gene Sharp with the United States Air Force, 1975, stationed in Rhine-Maine, Germany. Not came at the door. I thought it was a drinking buddy of mine. We'd go to socks and houses and get blitzed. But tonight it was a guy by the name of Gene Sharp who wanted to come in and talk with me about Jesus Christ if I was willing to listen. Well, I belong to the one true church, so I thought I was going to have fun with this. Well, he, with a smile on his face, took me apart and didn't put me back together again. And I told him, I said, I would like to argue with you about this or talk with you about this because I said, I'm from the one true church. And he says, he said to me, Gene said, no, I won't do that. He said, I will not talk that with you. I said, so you're afraid of me? He says, no. He said, that wouldn't be very fair of me towards you. Basically said, you're a dummy. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Gene Sharp. Since 1975, I remember his name because he's the one who shared the gospel with me. I was on my way to hell. Now, my life has been changed. And just what we're talking about here, 
If we here at Berean Baptist Church, or Bible-believing churches in this area, if we really say to our God in our devotional time, I really want to be used by you to change things, God says, do you really mean that? Then get out of the chair in your living room or your, and, get the, and go. Go, didn't I tell you to go? I didn't tell you to set. I said go. And I understand, and talking to a pastor like this, we live in a different time where people are afraid to open their doors. There used to be a time, you know, people now, they'd open up, talk with you, maybe invite you in. I don't know, but however we do this, however we do this, it has to be something where we're making the effort, and maybe some of you are. I, I know some of you, we got gospel tracts out there, and, and we refill them. Somebody, you know, is dropping them off someplace. But I'm just, and who am I talking to? Me. If I'm not talking to me, I better not be talking to you. I better not tell you what you need to do unless I'm pointing at me. But uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We, one more. Let's look at the bottom here. I'm looking at the time. God's purpose is to honor and serve him. And we remember we said we could put one ahead of that because there was a time when God made Adam and Eve that everything was perfect. That's what it said in there. God saw everything that he made Behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God's creation, everything is perfect. God has a purpose. On the bottom of God's purpose, it said, if God's purpose is for mankind to honor and serve and fellowship with him, then what happened that destroyed his perfect relationship? In other words, just basically to say to somebody, what went wrong? See, what you've shared this morning, in our culture, in our world, there's a lot of people know that things aren't right, and some of them are even suicidal. But they don't know the answer. They weren't trained that way. They were raised in homes. If they were raised in homes where who knows, mom and dad were on drugs or, you know, this, what I'm just trying to say, uh, not everybody was raised in the, in, you know, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm where mom and dad went to the, you know, Baptist church every Sunday morning. There's a lot of people in this world that that kind of definition is rare. Let's look at number two. This is the last one we'll do for today. Man's problem, okay? So we've had number one, the first P word is the purpose. But here's what happened. Mankind's problem is sin. Man chose to sin against God rather than serve him. Now, we've got some verses here. I'm just going to call out, would anyone like to read the first one? Anybody read that first verse out there for us this morning? I don't see a hand, so I'll read the first one. The Bible says... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I used to, when I was saved in Germany, we used to go around and use a, a little track put out by Campus Crusade for Christ called the Four Spiritual Laws. Anybody ever seen the Four Spiritual Laws? Few people, okay. This one here is, is called the bridge. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's the idea there of if there would be a bullseye and you have a bow and an arrow, and you could shoot forever in a day, and you'd never hit the target. When it comes to being perfect, when it comes to being holy, when it comes to be in our sin state, to somehow hit the mark of pleasing God, we'll never make it. We could shoot arrows forever and forever, we'll never hit the mark. We always come short. What does it mean to sin against God? Sin is breaking God's law, 1 John 3, 4. 
by sin, or excuse me, we sin by doing what God has commanded us not to do, or by not doing what God has told us to do. You remember in Genesis, what was the prohibition? Said to Adam, Eve wasn't even there. You may eat of every tree of the garden, except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree, Adam, for in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Not physically, ultimately, but spiritually die. Separation from a holy God. Just like that. Now, as was brought up, you see, that idea of sin and separation and everything, when Adam heard that, he was in fellowship, he was innocent. So this idea of separation, what was it? It was theoretical. He didn't know both sides of it. Did you want to add something to that? Well, I'll just say this about that. What you have mentioned up is, a, is, a, is an area of discussion. There are two schools of thought on that. I didn't attend either school. No, but that is, that is very, very important. But I'm going to, our pastor is over, over here. What, what the brother just shared there about the idea of uh, when Adam was created, he was in innocence. Would the Holy Spirit been resident in Adam? What, what would your... Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Talking about, yeah, the day of Pentecost. Uh, now it says, you know, in Genesis 1, we, we see the Holy Spirit is active in the work of creation, hovering above the waters. Just another thought on that, like what Pastor said was too, we understand that the reason why lost people, unbelievers, it's not that spiritual truth is difficult for them to understand. It's impossible for them to understand. And this is a controversial thing a little bit, too. I don't know why. But in other words, the Bible says that we are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. We're not wounded. You know, we don't have a limp or, you know, we're not hurt or a bruise. We're dead. So that's why Paul says to the natural man, when you try to share to the natural man uh, spiritual truth, it comes up as foolishness to him because he's spiritually incapable of receiving truth. When does that change? That, re- that changes when we receive the Holy Spirit. 
that changes when we're born again. Because now, here comes the regenerative power. What? The power, the dunamis. The dunamis of the Holy Spirit. His power is what regenerates us. So now, now we see with spiritual vision. The things we used to do, we say, wow, why was I doing that? Well, because you were spiritually dead. But, you, you know, you're talking about the, the fact of uh, back there with Adam and Eve. Uh, both Adam and Eve, at the beginning, were in their innocence, and so they knew God. And so that would be a, however the Holy Spirit would be involved before the fall would be different, I think, than post-fall, post-fall. Yeah, different, does, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we see then the problem of sin. Uh, now, one thing they did not do in the bridge, I wish they would have done, they do it in the four spiritual laws. When you go back the previous page, and then we'll be closing with this, if, if, if you see with the problem of sin, you, you have like if up here with my uh, hands up here, you, you, you have this separation, this, this chasm, this canyon, if you will, that man is now separated from God. Uh, God didn't separate. God didn't do anything wrong. God obviously didn't sin. The problem now of the separation caused by sin is totally on the part of Adam and Eve. Now, Eve sinned first chronologically, but because Adam, prior to even the creation of Eve, he's the one, Adam, that received this of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but not of the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Eve wasn't even on the scene yet. She had not even been created yet. So Adam was the responsible one, received that information, received that probation from God. Therefore, when they took the bite of that apple, when they chose to do that, there was that separation. So we can see that separation, this chasm. We are separated from God. And we see all through the scripture, what separates us from our God? Our sin has separated us from a holy God. So God's purpose and uh, our problem, man's problem, sin, that's where we'll go for these uh, two. The purpose and the problem would anyone, we got a couple minutes left. What we've talked about this morning so far, is there anyone with the bridge or the purpose that God would have for us to know him and enjoy him forever and the problem? Anybody want to make a comment before we break up? Yes, sister. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. God uses tracks. God uses tracks. He does do that. My final thought on this would be, yes, you can give the track. You can leave your name. You can leave your number. They can get a hold of you. But if you have an opportunity and you've studied this and you've learned this, here's, here's my closing thing. I promise you, we've got to let you go here. First day of school, talked about that. Absolutely terrified. Why? Because it's brand new. Brand new school. I don't know anybody. I'm terrified. Why? Because I'm not familiar with that school. I'm not familiar with those kids. First day ever. You get a job. Your first day on the job. You go in there. Why? You're nervous. Why? Because it's the first day on the job. You don't know it. Why are so many people afraid to share the gospel? Because you've never done it. You're not familiar with it. I plead. I beg. We'll, we'll close in prayer. Please take this home. Don't lose it. Read it, read it, read it again. Be prepared for next week. Get familiar 
with a gospel track so that when you get an opportunity to share the gospel with this bridge track, you can talk about it as if you're, it's an extension of you and you can someone, give someone the gospel. Last word, there is no greater joy for a believer than God using you to lead someone to Jesus Christ. What a joy that is to be the instrument that God has used to bring that person to himself. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this questions and about this gospel. There's many ways to share the gospel. This one be the bridge. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning who have made points, asked questions as we learn together. May we all become bold, zealous, and yet tactful sharers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you might use us as your instrument to bring a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, to your son in salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are dismissed. Church begins. The service begins in about 15 minutes.